seat this morning. Let me just uh, grab a drink of water. Nothing like a drink of water, right? Amazing stuff, this water thing. And uh, not only is it refreshing for us when we, uh, when we take a sip, but, uh, well, God uses water in all kinds of ways. But specifically, we're going to talk this morning about how God uses water to uh, regenerate us, to renew us, not just by drinking it, by having it poured over us. Why don't you watch the screen for a minute, and let's remind ourselves about this incredible stuff called water. covers 75% of the Earth's surface. There is no new source of water. Every drop that exists today was in existence at the Earth's creation. It is the essential source of life to every creature and species. It displayed the glory of God in the dawn of time when the Spirit of God hovered over the deep. It cleansed the earth when it burst from the heavens and the depths of the earth during the flood. It brought healing at the pools of Bethesda when the angels of the Lord came to trouble it. It demonstrated Christ's power when he transformed it into wine. It revealed Christ's ministry when he was baptized by John. It demonstrated Christ's servanthood when he washed his disciples' feet. It announced Christ's crucifixion when it washed Pilate's hands. It certified Christ's death when it poured from his side. Now it symbolizes new life in Christ available to all mankind. For we are buried with him through baptism into death and in order that... Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. The pastor was called to a new church, and the church was really excited to get him because he was uh, had a reputation of being a great preacher. And uh, so uh, folks were really excited when he accepted the call to come to them. And uh, he came, and he started preaching on Sunday morning, and the folks just loved his messages and uh, really spoke to their hearts. And uh, time went on, you know, a couple months here, a couple months there. Finally, after about six months, the elders got together, and they got talking, and they realized that every message the pastor had preached since he'd been there for six months was on Baptism, on water baptism. And they said, you know, they're really great, but it's getting kind of old. <laughs> so they figured out, how are we going to deal with this? So they came up with a plan. They went to the pastor and they said, now, pastor, your message is just fantastic, but we'd like to do one thing. This next time, uh, for next Sunday, we would like to pick the scripture verse for you to preach on. That pastor thought it was odd, but he thought, well, you know, okay, fine. So they picked Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? You all knew that by heart. They picked Genesis 1-1, and they said to themselves, Now, great, now we got him. There's no way in the world he can preach on water baptism. So the pastor got up the next Sunday. His text was Genesis 1-1. He got up to preach, uh, and he announced uh, the whole thing to the congregation about how they had picked the verse and everything. And he started his message this way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was two-thirds water, and today's subject is... 
Water baptism. Guess what today's subject is? Water baptism. And it's an easy one for me. I don't have to go all over the place to find it because we're doing 316. Remember? We're doing uh, 316 from different books uh, in the Bible. And uh, today's verse is from Matthew uh, 316. So the title today is Matthew 316, Getting Wet. And the reason it's getting wet is it's right there in the text. If you go to uh, the verse 16 in the third chapter of Matthew, it says this. So Jesus was baptized. There it is. That's all the farther we have to go, right in the text. We're going to talk about baptism today because that's just what 316 is all about. So Jesus was baptized as soon as he came up out of the water. The sky opened up. He saw the Spirit of God coming down on him uh, like a dove. What's happening in the Gospel of Matthew is a huge transition. Prior to chapter 3 in the Gospel of Matthew, we've had Jesus being born, you know, the genealogy of Jesus being born, some experiences of him in his childhood, uh, going back to the latest one when he was about 12 years old, and the whole family went down to Jerusalem, and while they were down there, they had this great time headed back, but mom and dad got three days out back towards uh, Nazareth, and discovered Jesus wasn't with them. And so they go back to Jerusalem, and of course they find Jesus in the temple with the rabbis, you know, listening and talking, and, and he's bewildered that they wondered, you know, this would be a problem, because he says, where do you expect me to be but in my father's house? Remember that story? Mm -hmm. So now, in chapter 3, we get a huge transition, because Jesus now emerges 30 years old. And he goes from just being a young boy who grew up in this obscure place out there in Galilee to becoming a rabbi, teacher, and preacher, and miracle worker. And before all that can start, before the teaching starts, before the miracles start, before all this experience of what it is to be the Savior of the world gets underway, we get the experience of Jesus being baptized, of coming to John and being baptized. Why is it important? The placement of this experience in the life of Jesus tells us something about baptism. Before he can start his ministry, he needs to get baptized. What's it tell us? Number one, baptism puts us on the right path. It puts us on the right path. Jesus is getting started in his earthly ministry. It puts him on the right path. If you go to uh, the verse 13 in uh, John 3, or in uh, Matthew 3, verse 13 says, Jesus left Galilee, went to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Now, it's an interesting thing that happens in verse 14. But John kept objecting, saying, I ought to be baptized by you. Why have you come to me? An interesting thing happens. Jesus comes to John to get baptized. John sees him and says, what are you doing here? You don't need to be baptized. You're the sinless, incredible son of the living God. Why in the world are you coming here to be baptized? Remember what John's baptism was all about. John was this prophetic voice out there in the wilderness, right? He looked like the prophet Elijah with his camel hair, and he ate, you know, locusts and honey, and he's a prototypical prophet of the end times. And Jesus comes to him to be baptized. John doesn't understand it because John's baptism is a baptism of repentance. 
John is preaching and teaching to everybody who will listen, saying, Hey, your life is not going in the right direction. Your life is not headed in the way God created you to experience life. He's calling to all the people in Jerusalem who are living these selfish, self-focused lives. And he's saying, you are not living the way God created you to live. You need to get out of that and get on the right path. John's baptism is a baptism that calls people out of one life to a time of repentance, cleaning, and washing to get them on the right path. When Jesus comes, John says, what are you doing here? Because Jesus has always been on the right path. Remember when he was 12, he went, they found him in the temple, and his answer was, what do you expect? I'm here doing my father's business. See, he's always been about doing the father's business. And even in the baptism experience, when John questions it, Jesus responds with the same kind of answer. If you look at verse 15, it says, Jesus answered, For now this is how it should be, because we must do all that God wants us to do. Then John agreed. Jesus is already on the right path. And he comes to get baptized to affirm he's on the right path. Here's the question of the day. What path are you on? Jesus' baptism causes us to step back and look at our own lives and ask, what path are you on? Do you need to hear the call of John that says, wait a minute, examine your life. Take stock of where your life is headed. Just look at the fruit of your life and say, wait, is this what God wanted for my life? Is, is this what God created me for? Is this the, the direction that God would have me go in? See, John would say to you, look, if your life is not headed in the right way, the answer is come and get baptized. And Jesus comes and gets baptized because he already knows that so many of our lives are not headed in the right direction. When Jesus gets baptized, the salvation of your life begins. It happens and is fulfilled on the cross, but it begins when Jesus gets baptized. When Jesus gets baptized, he doesn't get baptized because he needs to get baptized for the repentance and forgiveness of his sins. He gets baptized because he wants you to understand from the beginning he is ready to get you on the right path. He's ready to get your life going in the direction that God dreams for and chooses for your life. That's what you need to get convinced of. As we look at baptism, we need to get convinced and understand that when we are formed and fashioned and when God poured water over us and word over us, He also created a future for us. He created a life for you. He created a path for you. Jesus is on the right path. The question is, what path are you on? You see, the reality for us is always the same. We're either walking on God's path, we're moving in the direction that God purposes for our life, we're letting God control our life, or 
we're making all the decisions. We're choosing the path. We're setting the direction. And the only way to life is when God's setting the direction. Whenever we're making all the decisions, whenever we're choosing all of the path, life is littered with signs of destruction. Because we live selfish lives, left to ourselves. Baptism is the means by which God gets involved in our life and takes us from that path of destruction and moves us over to this path that says, this is life. This is life. And the example is Jesus. From the beginning, he goes to John and says, look, John, we got to do this, not because I need to repent, not because I've got some great hidden sins in my life. We need to do this because I want to stay on the right path and be faithful, and I want all my followers to understand that path. And that path is always doing what God chooses and not what you choose. So, Jesus comes to the water, and he gets baptized. After he gets baptized, or as he's being baptized, incredible things start taking place. The point for us is to remember that Jesus was baptized in verse 16, and then as he was baptized, he gets empowered for the task that he's going to face. Here's an amazing truth about God. You ready? God will never put you on a path that he's not willing to also empower you with the strength to follow that path. He will never put you on a path and have you go through experiences in your life that he's not willing to lend you the strength you need to follow that path. Look at Jesus. He gets baptized. It says, as soon as he came out of the water, the sky opened and he saw the Spirit of God coming down like a dove. What happens? Jesus goes in the water, he comes back out of the water, and God rips the universe apart. God rips open the sky, he rips open the universe to send his Holy Spirit in a visible, concrete way into his son's own life. Baptism is that moment when God chooses to say, here's all the strength you need. Here's all the strength you need to stay on that path and keep moving in the direction that I've chosen for your life. John makes it clear. If you go back to verse 11, when John's talking about the one to come, about Jesus who is about, about to come, in verse 11 it says, I baptize you with water so that you'll give up your sins, repentance baptism, but someone more powerful is going to come, and I'm not good enough even to carry his sandals. Here's the key. Ready? He will baptize you with what? Holy Spirit and fire. How awesome is fire? Talk to the folks out in California about how uncontrollable fire is. Right? When that fire gets raging, how uncontrollable... See, God will never put you on a path that He's not ready to give you all the strength, all of that supernatural power, all of that presence of His, so that you can face whatever you have to face. He just works that way. When he gets involved in your life, he will rip apart whatever it takes to rip apart in order to be there with you and give you every strength that you need. You just need to stay on the path. Stay on the path. Um, you probably remember uh, Pat Summerall. Anybody remember Pat Summerall? 
Yeah, sure. Great, great sports announcer, right? You may not know about Pat uh, Summerall, though. Not only was he, you know, a great football player in his time, but uh, obviously he went to broadcast for CBS and uh, for Fox uh, Sports. Um, what you may not know is that while he was doing all that broadcasting stuff, as soon as the game was over, Pat Summerall was out of there with a buddy of his, and they were partying the rest of the night. Uh, so much so that Pat Summerall went to his doctor. His doctor got in his face, and he said, Pat, here's the deal. Either you change your lifestyle, or you're going to be dead soon. Pretty straight at it, wouldn't you say? <laughs> Pat Summerall made the decision to uh, go to Betty Ford Clinic. While he went to Betty Ford Clinic to dry out and try to get things together, he had a counselor there who uh, obviously sat with him and spoke about life. And in the process of that, he challenged him to think about his relationship with God. Uh, Pat Summerall reflects on his life experience and and says, uh, we raised Cain. I was the first guy at the bar, and I was the last guy to leave. But after he started looking at his spiritual life, at age 66, Pat Summerall was baptized. Isn't that amazing? Age 66, Pat Summerall was baptized. He was interviewed by USA Today, and he said these words, the minister leaned me back in the water. I never felt so helpless. I knew I had just became a Christian. I can't tell you how great life has been since then. Baptism gets us on the path. And it gives us the strength and the power we need to stay there. And face all the obstacles and rejoice in all the good things of life. Baptism is the means by which God chooses to invade our lives in that kind of strength, in that kind of power. Last point. Baptism is also that event which God uses to make his commitment to us. Baptism gives us a partner for the journey. It's God making his absolute commitment to us. Look what happens when Jesus is baptized. Verse 17 says, Then a voice from heaven said, This is my own dear Son, and I am pleased with him. You see the commitment in those words? There's no, there's no category in there that says, Well, this is my Son if. Right? There's no, Well, this is my Son as long as. God just makes an absolute commitment. And says, look, this is my son. This is my son. When we experience baptism, it is God making that kind of commitment to us. He makes the commitment to us that says, look, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what happens in your life, I am absolutely, utterly committed to be in your life. No matter what happens, I am absolutely, utterly committed. No matter what past that path leads you to, no matter what you have to go through, I am absolutely, utterly committed. And we see it right away in Jesus' life. As soon as he's baptized, the very next experience shows us the commitment and the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' life. You know what happens absolutely next? In chapter 4, verse 1, 
The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert. Why? Whoa. Is he going to face an obstacle? <laughs> right away, after his baptism, he's on the path. He's on the right path. God has an incredible future for him to be the incredible Savior of the world for generation and generation and generation. He's on the right path. God is absolutely committed and gives him all the strength and power he needs. And the very next thing that happens, he has to face the power of darkness in the wilderness. That's absolute commitment. I don't know if your life's on the right path, but I know this. God has a path for you. And if you haven't been baptized yet, God has a way for you to get on the path. I know this. You may not be on the right path, and you may already be baptized, and God has a way for you to get back on the right path, to just remember your baptism and remember his claim over your life. You see, here's the key. Not only does God make that absolute commitment to us, but in baptism, He asks for the commitment that we make to Him. There's a story about um, one of the czars in, uh, in Russia, Ivan the Great. And uh, Ivan the Great was uh, one, of the, one of the greatest czars. He created the Soviet Union, all these warring tribes and everything. And Ivan the Great led his troops and kept bringing tribe after tribe under the banner and finally created the Soviet Union. Uh, and he spent so much of his early life always in battle, always in battle. And he was getting older, and his counselors came to him, and they said, Ivan, we've got a problem here. You're spending all your time in battle, and you have no family. And since you have no wife and family, you have no heir. You need to have an heir. Ivan said, look, I don't have time to go find a wife. <laughs> I'm too busy trying to hold all this together. I don't have time. They said, look, we will go find you a wife. So the counselors went out. They scoured the whole world looking for the appropriate uh, bride for Ivan the Great. And they found her. They found the daughter of the king of Greece. They came back to Ivan. They said, man, we got just the girl for you. And uh, the king of Greece uh, thought it was a good idea because he'd be allied with this great new emerging power called the Soviet Union. So the king of Greece agreed to it. And uh, Ivan, finally, he also agreed to it. So the marriage was supposed to take place. A ah, little problem arose. The king of Greece said, look, I, I'm, I'm okay with the marriage as long as... You become a member of the Greek Orthodox Church. Ivan wasn't a Christian. So he had to become a member of the Greek Orthodox Church. Ivan thought about it and said, fine, okay, I'll join the church. So a priest was dispatched. The priest went, taught Ivan all about Christianity. He was a quick learner, got on board with the whole program. Everything's great. And uh, so the marriage is going forward. He starts to make his way to Greece, and uh, he had such loyal uh, soldiers with him that 500 of his soldiers, true story, 500 of his soldiers said, we also want to commit ourselves to the Greek Orthodox Church. We want to commit ourselves to Christ and be baptized. Amazing thing. So now we got Ivan the Great and 500 of his soldiers who show up in Greece, not just for a wedding, but for a baptism. 500 more, they show up ready for a baptism, right? Can you imagine that? Each one of the soldiers is assigned a priest. 
the priest gives them a crash course in, uh, you know, Christianity. They all receive Christ. Everything's looking good. The day comes they're supposed to be baptized. Priest, soldier. Soldiers show up in their military uniforms. You know, all the ribbons, all the medals, all the stuff for the military guys. Everything's going great. They're getting ready for the baptism. One more problem. In the Greek Orthodox Church, when you are baptized, you have to give up your militaristic ways. Remember, what are these guys? 500 soldiers. Hardened, battle-worthy soldiers. Big problem. They worked out a compromise. You know what the compromise was? Here's what happened. The 500 soldiers go into the water with the priests. Just as the priest is ready to lean them backwards and dunk them under the water, they reached over, grabbed their sword with their right hand, and put their sword and their right arm up in the air, and the priest dunked them into the water up to here. So their sword and right hand stayed faithful to Ivan the Great. Here's the deal. Baptism calls us to absolute, utter commitment to hold nothing back from Jesus Christ. There's no raising one thing and saying, God, you can have everything but. Baptism is the call for us to not just receive God's absolute, utter commitment to us, but it's the call for us to give up everything. To go under the waters and to die to everything that has passed and to rise out of the waters absolutely a new person in the image of Christ. And that's the wisdom. That is the wisdom. Proverbs 16 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do and He will establish your plans. See, baptism is the means by which not only God commits to us, gets us on that right path, gives us every strength we need to walk that path, and promises to be absolutely committed to us in every experience of our life. But it's also that place where we can let go and commit everything back and trust God more than anything else in this world. And that's exactly what Jesus did. When he was baptized, he gave up his life to be faithful to the Father. He didn't hold back. He didn't get to Jerusalem. And when a time of, of crisis came and he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying and he's saying, Lord, boy, I don't want to go through this. But when it was all done, what did he say? The same thing he said at the baptism. Father, if it's your desire, if it's your will... If it's the right thing to stay on the path, then that's what we'll do. Baptism is God's commitment to us. And it's our commitment to trust Him more than anything else. Let's pray. Father, we come to You today. We just thank You that You can give us such an incredible promise. The promise that uh, through the simple, the simple thing of water and words that you can invade our lives and uh, claim us to be your own. Wash away all that's past and help us to get on the right path to an incredible life with you. 
Lord, we thank you so much that you are so committed to us. That there's not a moment that goes by that you're not working in our life. That there's, there's not a moment that goes by that you're not looking for our good and working towards that end. That there's not a moment that goes by that your grace is not sufficient. Father, we thank you for your commitment to us. And we ask, keep us as committed. Keep us on that right path that we can follow in the footsteps of Jesus, that we can be faithful, we can know that incredible life that you've prepared for us. Help us to stay committed, to hold nothing back, but to seek only to do your will.